Hey, what's up, sinners and choosers? Welcome to Choose Your Own Religion. My name is Joe. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. My guest today is another member of my Harvard Divinity School cohort. Uh, a cohortion? I don't know. Uh, she's great. Mary Perez, a.k.a. Sister Mary Perez. Yes, she is a Catholic nun, and, and I love her so much. I had to have her on, and I really wanted to explore her spiritual biography, which, because how does one become a nun in 2019, and why? I uh, really wanted to know, and told me her faith journey, identity, service, sacrifice, contemplative practice, uh, sexuality. I really love this conversation. I'm figuring out as I go forward and I have more fellow Harvard Divinity students on, you know, I want to get more spiritual biography than maybe I've, I've sometimes gotten in the past, but I want to keep giving us the freedom to uh, go on some theological ramblings and musings, and I hope this struck a good balance there. That's all I'll say for now. If you like this episode, go to chooseyourownreligion.com for more episodes. Leave a rating or a review, if you, uh, especially if you listen on iTunes or I don't know if you want to do whatever you want to do with it. I love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being who you are. Here's Sister Mary. Allow the soothing music and uplifting affirmations to center your heart and mind in an awareness of God's love. Wake up, my dear sinners. Wake up from your deep rest. Won't you say your prayers and know that you are blessed? I love you, oh, but Jesus loves you the best. And I hope that you choose your own religion. I, I record a small intro after the fact. Yeah. But okay. Um, other than that, can just kind of organically get into it although now now when i say it like that like uh-huh. let's organically get into it it's like the least organically way to get into it uh even though this is a very organic location i do love uh i've i've gotten more into the live on location uh thing and of, of doing uh-huh. this i was thinking as i was uh as i was like sitting out there by the the statue of abraham lincoln and somebody else that we couldn't that figure we out don't know who a man yeah. A man, probably a uh, white man. Bro- <laughs> chances are good. Uh, <laughs> chances are pretty good. Uh, but here, here in Cambridge Common. Uh, but I was like thinking, oh, it'd be cool if I could do a different location for all of these. That but then I'm really like, cool. that's a lot of pressure too. Like I don't know if there are like I don't know how many yeah. <laughs> viable locations there are. But I'm gonna try. But I'm also gonna give really myself cool. the freedom to be like, we can just go back to Cambridge Common <laughs> and that'll be <laughs> fine. Like uh, you mean the museums. Oh, museums. Yeah, but can I record in like a lobby of a museum? Would they let me? I don't know. Maybe. Depends. Or the cafe. Cafe. That could work. Yep. Museum. Anyway, um, thank you so much for coming on the You're welcome. The podcast. So the, yes. as I was telling you, I'm going to try this format where I really want to hear your spiritual biography, but then I also want us to give the freedom to go on tangents about theology or something or whatever or if we want to but i mostly i really want to hear like your story because uh, i'm i'm fascinated also i feel like you definitely told me some of your story back in april when we first got coffee in la yes <laughs> but i i have to admit i've like forgotten a lot of it it's but you've probably ago. forgotten a lot of my yeah. story too yeah so it's it i remember the stand-up comic sure improv yeah. but actually i was i was just telling someone about 
when we met and she was like, oh, where is Joe from? And I was like, hmm. <laughs> I, I imagine it to be the middle of the country, but I... <laughs> North Carolina, so middle okay, of the no. coast. <laughs> <laughs> Mid-Atlantic-ish. Uh, no, it's cool. And I know you're a nun. I did remember that. Yeah. Uh, are you... Are you Sister Mary? Is that I am. I cool. uh, Sister a, Mary Therese. The title you respond to is it the title you like and like appreciate using? If I'm in a like formal ministry setting, or if I'm like that's the identity I'm leading with, mm. then I'll introduce myself formally. I'll say I'm Sister Mary Therese. Oh, so uh, cool. A less formal will be like oh, I'm Sister Mary. Uh huh. <laughs> Um, and then I have other names that students have called me, like Hermana, when I taught Spanish. Mm. Um, I tend to not like sister mm. all that much. How come? I think all the stereotypes that it carries. Oh, sure. With it. Sure, yeah. Um, and I prefer in a like, more organic setting to be Mary. Mm. Like, like yeah. is it one of those things where... I was feeling weird about telling people I was like going to Harvard Divinity before I got here because it felt like it was creating a certain distance. And I've had that like thought around like titles or like things mm. like that, or like even telling people I did stand up. It's like you feel like a shift in how somebody's looking at you mm, and yes. like dealing with you. Uh, that you, yeah. So that, that is that part of the like a resistant or I think so. Yeah. yeah. I totally relate to that. Yeah. Like, perceptions that someone has from prior experiences of someone they've met who holds that same position or gotcha well let's uh, all right well let's back up uh all right where where were you born (laughs) very very organic uh. okay very organic (laughs) (laughs) on march 16th 1983 i was born in walnut creek in california in the bay area great uh catholic family catholic family yeah my parents um met each other going to Catholic high schools and got married at a Catholic church in San Francisco where the priests and, um, or the priests and the sisters were really influential in, in their kind of adult understanding of their faith, um, and the forming of our family. And I, I was baptized at that church as well in San Francisco. Wow. Are, uh, do Catholics do infant baptism, by the way? Yes, okay, they do. Cool. Great. Do so baptism. do Presbyterians, which is oh. what I grew up. Uh, do you wear fun outfits for that white uh, things uh i definitely feel like dresses like babies in some kind of white dress are kind of normal but like i also don't think anybody's like holding you to that uh you know typical protestant fashion Mm -hmm. i suppose yeah but i love going to baptisms of babies i don't know like Mm. when they a baby will be baptized at sunday liturgy Mm. i love that sense of this person is in my family and we're now in it together and I don't know you. And Mm. that's really cool. Yeah, that is cool. I, I, it reminds me of like, it's anytime I've like witnessed strangers having really powerful, like, or big life moments. Like I was at, I was working an event, um, at the Beverly Hills hotel of all places. And, uh, I remember I was like waiting for, the, the valet to get my car. And this was just like a situation where you had to get your car valet. Like yes. it wasn't an option. Um, and I was like, somebody was like coming out of their wedding reception and saying to like, it's like, I'm just so, so happy you're in our family. And <sighs> I was like an intense, like, like a beautiful and like uplifting. And like, yes. I was like, 
I felt like kind of like I was eavesdropping and really like being a voyeur a little bit, but it was cool <laughs> to the too. sacred moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, <laughs> so you were baptized. Um, yeah, so I was baptized. Baptized as a baby. As a baby. Right. Yep. Uh, did you go uh, to Catholic school immediately? I went to Catholic school. Uh-huh. Yes, uh, where my mom taught at the school, and it was our oh. parish school. So my like understanding of my faith was very much rooted in this sense of community. Mm. It's like these are the people that we were hanging out with and spent six days out of the week mm. uh, with. And school it, was six days a week. Well, like going uh, Sunday. Oh, right, and then Sunday, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then my siblings went there too, and my parents were involved in other ways in the parish as well, like mm-hmm. volunteer service or um, being on the boards. Sure. So yeah. it was very much at the center of family life. Gotcha. Gotcha. And all the all the teachers are Catholic. All the teachers at the school. Yeah, are Catholic. Many of them are still there who taught me. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's like a, a place of home for me and uh and connection mm. and i think uh met also many of the teachers were women so um and mothers who were really nurturing mm. and um uplifting so that i think is a part of how i understand my faith too yeah it's like all these women who like nurtured me mm-hmm. as a child and in, in Catholic school, sorry if these questions, by the way, are so basic, because I'm, as I'm, like, thinking of it, I'm like, I really don't know. I know a handful of stereotypes of Catholic yeah. school. Yeah, I think that's really helpful to ask the questions, because your listeners probably have similar questions. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, Catholic school, I either think of, like, white teenage boys in suits, or I think of, like, <sighs> nuns, like, with rulers, or I think yeah. of, like, I don't know, that's kind of the extent of it. <laughs> of it um yes. were there nuns with the rulers no damn <laughs> there were a couple of sisters uh, who were principals in my like nine years there uh-huh um but no rulers okay were there uh mix or segregated genders or separated by gender or no so you were it was all mixed together it was all mixed yeah okay. and my high school my catholic high school was a co-ed high school okay gotcha okay. yeah um do you have oh so i think um catholic school is uh catholic elementary school is very much a family community okay like often there will be within a school like faith families where Mm. a student from each grade joins a group led by an eighth grader Uh and they'll do activities together around things or like the grades will interact and mix and then the um you'll go to Friday or some day of the week, you'll go to mass at the parish Mm -hmm. and then maybe uh, you'll come back on Sunday with your family. Mm -hmm. And so it, it very much is a place of community and it's small that everyone knows each other too, knows each other's families. And if your family has had siblings going there for, you know, children who have gone there, then, you know, people of other grades and ages and, Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that my mom is a principal of a Catholic school now, and that I think is a hallmark of her school also. Mm, strong as family. As was mine. Strong family, yeah. family school connection, and also a sense of the school being a family. Mm. Now, was there ever any aspect of that that was troubling or uh, was a struggle? Was it like annoying being like, 
dang, I can't escape like this family atmosphere. Like I wish I could just be more, I don't know, more uh, free or something. I don't know. I don't know if that's even like yeah. even on anybody's mind. Um, probably it probably is on people's minds. <laughs> it was not on mine. <laughs> fair, um, fair. But I'm sure there are yeah people who I, have that. I'm I'm sense. Com- I'm speaking as uh, a, an enneagram type four, which I don't know if you're okay. into enneagram I'm a five. stuff. Okay, yeah. So like being super individualistic Individual. and authentic and free expression makes me like I'm just like man, I would like I would feel so clamped down by society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are not my thoughts as a. 12, 11-year-old. <laughs> yeah, they weren't really my thoughts then either. I was I was actually good enough to, or I was just like good to go along to get along. But so, but you overall, you you enjoyed this experience. You, yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. my yeah. like K eight experience, um, and then my high school experience was challenging going from this small family to a bigger mm. school half an hour from my town mm-hmm. um so i grew up in Folsom and this is in Sacramento where my high school was so okay. it's a totally different like, social world in, in which and, ways um not being connected to these like people and markers that were how i understood my life mm. and mm. now i hear all these people who've had all, have a variety of other experiences and had them together like having been in Sacramento they like all went to schools together, went to dances together, sure, and yeah. knew each other, played on sports teams together or something. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So it, that felt a little bit foreign to me. Um, and mm-hmm. I think what in high school also of that time of trying to find identity, I struggled with identifying myself within my like racial ethnic community so i never felt like i was mexican enough to hang out with the mexicans or filipino enough to hang out with the filipinos or white enough to hang out with (laughs) white people or whatever so like that didn't become a marker of identity for me and i think that's kind of why faith became a place where Mm. i could find myself because it it was just open i could just kind of be myself in that space right and um there wasn't i i suppose though i don't remember in my high school there wasn't a sense of like you have to be this way to be enough and the charism of my high school being founded by the christian brothers so lasallian charism emphasizes service what's a charism by the way Charism is kind of like a flavor. Okay. So I like the metaphor of flavors of ice cream. Sure. Yeah. Great. There are as many choices of charism. Within the, this is just within Catholicism in general or. Yes. Within it's often used in terms of a of religious orders. Mm. So the charism of a particular order, its flavor. Oh, I see. Which gets tied in historically to its history and then how it has gotten lived, theologically rooted in a sense of charism as gifts of the spirit or Mm. gifts from God. So we could could also then theologically talk about one's individual charism or like gifts of the spirit. I see. That you might have. So it gets also used in that way. So like, so it's almost like, because orders are also kind of certain flavors within... Is it so? Is it? Yes. It's like there's this big thing called Catholicism, which 
a lot of us on the outside assume I, I spent a lot of my life assuming it was just monolithic and it was oh, like it is so not yeah no we, I mean I I definitely just I wouldn't have articulated it this way but like I was just like yeah I guess it's it's just reliable it's just the same wherever you go uh whatever or like people they it, what the appeal is that it's like so singular and like exactly how it how it is everywhere or something but the, apparently it's not like that it's not like that at all <laughs> especially in the u.s church yeah it is not it is uh in many spaces pretty fraught and uh, mm. um, how people are defining catholicism mm. but there really is a tremendous spectrum that's fascinating. Uh, Catholicity. Um, and then now, is charism synonymous with order, or is it a subflavor of order, or not necessarily like that at all? Order, I think, sometimes has a connotation about structures. Okay. Yeah. And charism is kind of like the animating spirit okay. within that. I gotcha. They're sort of synonymous. They can okay. talk about the same reality, but you might go in different directions if you're going to start talking about. Okay, yeah, cool. order or charism. So another thing, too, about that is within an order, you may have branches of priests, brothers, nuns, mm-hmm. sisters, mm-hmm. lay folks. Mm-hmm. And then that definitely in the order, talking about order, you would then talk about who is there. So, for example, Jesuits do not have women as part of their order Mm. whereas there are within dominican and franciscan orders there are women and so we all like share the charism like as dominicans we all share in this dominican charism Mm. um and have like different structures within this dominican family Mm -hmm. as do franciscans within franciscan family okay cool it's that can get very detailed yeah i'm starting to like picture just this, this is like huge sprawling chart in front of me um (laughs) uh with like you know string strings connecting to it now did your school identify with an order so my (laughs) elementary school did not in the times that i was going there Uh um and my high school yes it identifies with the christian brothers okay um, who was founded by St. John Baptist de La Salle in France, okay. who is, it's an order of brothers, mm-hmm. hence Christian brothers, um, who were founded to teach. Gotcha. Okay, great. Um, all right, cool. I want to like, I also want to like, uh, thank you, by the way, I, I didn't mean to like put you on the spot of like, spit out your like <laughs> Catholic knowledge. Um, oh, Catholic but knowledge. You, you nailed it. I, okay, thanks. At least from my standpoint. Okay. Uh, but, okay, so you... You're, you're drawing to faith as your identity. Yeah, I'm drawn to faith as my identity and particularly the aspect of service, mm. which is, uh, I think, hallmark of Lasallian charism, too, is this aspect of service. And um, that, it for me, felt like a call. Like, I sensed it my junior year on a retreat as a call to be a leader was actually, it was through service. Mm. And so my questions were about how am I going to serve? Mm. How am I called to do that? Do you remember, do you remember what that call was like? Like, do you remember kind of where you were or like anything like that or? Yeah, it was on a retreat in the Russian river with students from other Christian brothers, high schools in California and Oregon and Washington, I think. Mm-hmm at a retreat center that the Christian brothers have. And 
it was like what did that feel like it um felt like in my internal space a knowing mm. uh like god reaching out to me and inviting me mm. not being told or tasked mm. but some kind of invitation and something to discover and a sense of like being loved into that. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and did you have like a, f- at that point, had you done service projects that had informed that or was it kind of more after? Did you have like a founding, like a particular experience or a particular service project that was like, I didn't have a particular project. I had done, my school had required service hours, so mm-hmm. there were various things that I had done, like or they Sunday would hit school, you with a ruler, vacation right, Bible right. school, yeah, yeah nuns, lots of rulers. Nuns and rulers, right. Um, <laughs> and I volunteered at the Society for the Blind. I, yeah, had done a variety of things, and I think that service had been a part of my family's understanding of our faith too Mm. so that like identity of faith was about service and not about belief like it wasn't that oh these are the doctrines i believe in and so therefore i'm identifying with this it was like this is i'm identifying with this like way that i think is about living Mm. invited Mm. to orient my life in, in this way around serving others and to help other people to help other people in some way and like didn't really know what that what that was going to look like yeah and is that driven by i mean I, again this might i don't want to ask questions that are too <laughs> too obvious but i also don't no, want to ask please. questions that God. to me would be like or things that make sense to me like when i think about service I, i've also felt similar calls to service coming and going or like changing exactly what the specific manifestation of that service is going to look like. Um, but a lot of, if I had to articulate it now, it's out of this sense that like all people are completely worthy of love and worthy of, um, happiness or worthy of like having their suffering reduced because they, we are all, uh, children of the same source, children of the same divinity, a.k.a. we're all children of God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, still figuring out the language that feels most comfortable for me. I feel mm-hmm. like uh, children of God feel like being a child of God feels super comfortable for me, but I, does that language feel <laughs> feel good to you? Yes, I, yeah, okay. I would say that. Kind so of is people that, of God. Is that a similar connection for you or is there something else that's like, that f- makes you feel drawn to service? I don't know if I would have articulated to that detail as like a 17 year old, but today <laughs> that would be similar you have ways that I would articulate the call to, to serve as a life orientation in what I believe about the world um, and that and that my faith rooted in God's love calls me to live out that love which is about writing injustices and bringing peace and Mm. living out 
the kingdom of God as Jesus proclaimed it Mm. um, and living out this love. And for me also, it's that I have been given so much love and through my family, through my education, my friends, that I come to how can I not but give it away? Mm. And I have to. I have to. I have to <laughs> give it away. I can't keep it. It's way too selfish yeah. for me to to keep all of it. I remember hearing some non-Christian proverb, or I can't remember the context, but the only way to hold on to joy is to give it away uh, for mm. free. Um, and I think there is something yeah. paradoxically kind of true about that. Yeah. Um, it's the giving that we receive. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, wait, is that the that's the same prayer St. Francis, it is. isn't it? <laughs> I I picked up on it. I'm with Got you. It. I'm, I, I'm uh, laying down with your putting <laughs> up whatever. <laughs> um, now, okay, so that was high school. That was high school. Um, college. Are you college. also are you discerning going into sisterhood? Is that no. the right way to phrase it? No. No. No thoughts around that. Okay. I I vaguely remember having a thought in high school. That, oh, if I were a man, I would be a Christian brother. Mm-hmm. And then I dismissed that thought. And what is Christian brother? Is that the same thing as a priest or different? Different. Okay. Brothers do not have sacramental faculties. Mm-hmm. And brothers have the sense of it's not being in these, in like, hierarchical position of like being with people mm-hmm. in a different way mm-hmm. and having access to people's lives in a different way than a priest does. I gotcha. Okay. So within orders, some orders also there are brothers and priests mm-hmm. the Christian brothers. There are only brothers. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I think that makes sense to me. And so you're like, I would like to be that. Not I like had a thought. You would have like been once. that. You would have been that. Right. And there's not yeah. an analogous Christian sisters apparently. Well, I guess, well, I mean, well, besides the literal. So, oh, wait. Besides the literal. <laughs> okay, besides the, 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 I, that Lasallian charism. Okay. I, as as yeah. I said that, I'm like, well, you're, I'm literally talking to a sister right now. But, I mean, like. Yeah. So I found the analogy okay. in, in my own way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know why that was. I don't know why I missed that. Um, but in terms of okay. order, like, that's a good question. Yeah. Is there an analogy to, like, Christian brothers as, like, yeah, from yeah. that order? I'm not sure. Like, yeah, don't know. Okay, I kind of think there is, but it's history. I don't know. Sure. Okay. Yeah. But you, so you, you were like, ah, so there was, yeah. But there was no nothing. thoughts about okay. religious life after that. I was like, oh, I think I want to be an ambassador, or I want to be a musician. Oh, so cool. that's what I went into college, wanting to like study international relations and music, um, and then I took like intro to international relations, and I was like, nope. This is all about wars. I do not want to study this. <laughs> um, and you had to take econ, do calculus for econ, and I like oh, did yeah. not do well in calculus. Yeah, calculus. Um, my mom is a math teacher, but I oh, never never cared for calculus yeah. personally. So Sorry, that was out. <laughs> um, but I was really into. I liked the music, and then I discovered ethnomusicology, which yeah. is the whereas musicology studies the history of Western music. Uh-huh. Ethno asks about the rest of the world. Yeah, and also kind of bridges into cultural anthropology mm. which i discovered i really liked too so and what did you like about that the people aspect and the ways people live mm-hmm. 
culture, society, mm-hmm. those things really appeal to me. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I liked that a lot. And used a framework, a humanities framework, to create an ethno kind of degree because there was no degree program in ethnomusicology okay. in my undergrad. So I just sort of created it from taking music, history theory classes, and then cultural anthropology stuff. And I minored in Spanish. And my thesis ended up being on Chile's national dance. So I did some like dance things, mm-hmm. dance history and mm-hmm. um, theory things. So and at this point, yeah. are you thinking I at could be a sister? At this point, I met the sisters. So they mm. were at my college. Okay. And there was one sister who was in the campus, the Catholic campus ministry, which I got involved in. Mm-hmm. And again, was a place of community. So I had a small faith group that I met with weekly and the group was together all four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a key component of my faith. It was like sharing it with others and then being involved in retreats and community things mm. of the Catholic community. Um, and then I got to know the sisters as spiritual directors and mentors. And I w- went to Stanford and across the bay is where my mother house now is Fremont. Mm-hmm. So there were times that I had gone over to the mother house for retreats and Taze and stuff. Mm. So had become familiar with them and did towards the end of my time kind of have questions, mm. but I was like, no, I do not want to do that. Mm. And I graduated thinking I do not want to be a sister. And that looks come? like way too much giving up of things. Mm people were going to bed at like nine o'clock and I was like, I want to go dance (laughs) now at my 36 year old. I'm like, I wish I went to bed at nine o'clock. That sounds amazing. Uh uh Um, (laughs) But it was not what I was ready for as a 22 year old. And then yeah, sure. I moved to DC, uh started teaching and then went to Memphis, did a teaching service program in Memphis for a couple of years and during that time, I was would not have admitted I was discerning religious life, mm-hmm. but I definitely was thinking mm. about it through my faith and trying to figure out what I, what am I, what am I doing? What am I called to? Yeah. How am I serving? Like the classroom felt like this place where that sense of service was able to come alive. Mm-hmm. That sense of I can use myself and my knowledge and my gifts and be be teacher. Yeah, that made yeah, sense. Yeah. And then when I moved back to California, I ended up taking a position in a school where the sisters from college were also in that school. Mm. And so spent a lot of time reconnecting with sisters, getting to know other sisters in that year, which was also a really hard year of teaching and had me asking questions again about what should I do next? What I want to do? Who am I? God, who do you? call me to be what do you call me to do and it was in the midst of those questions that it like became clear that the next step was to enter the convent Mm. um so i did not do a kind of discernment of checking out different religious communities (laughs) which is a very typical thing Uh that um, women discerning religious life might do Mm. um it was 
this was a community I knew. They were women that I admired and loved, mm-hmm. who were mentors. Felt good. Uh, felt good. I always felt like it was home mm. in any of the times. The community it's, part. Yeah. And my, my community um, really values communal living, communal prayer, being together. Yeah. And so that was really resonant for the ways that I understood my faith. And here are all these women who also cared about studying and service and righting wrongs and being about justice and bringing peace um, and education and educating the poor mm-hmm. and serving the young, the poor, and the vulnerable, one of our phrases. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that was resonant with me. and. I recognized where the values that I'd had and what I was aspiring to live in my life. And here was this like group of women who are also mm. living this in really cool ways. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So it like, it made just made sense to, to step into this path, yeah. which stepping into the path is not a commitment of your life. The process to the final commitment of your life is a minimum of six years. Mm-hmm. I took nine. Wow. So it's, you have a long time to decide. <laughs> so you can just go try it out. Like yeah. I could just and go You can be like, see. nah, I'm good. Yeah. And I feel like there was a Cheers episode where that. that happened, where she like lived. <laughs> I yeah. really think this happened. I, I, I had not never seen Cheers before until this last summer, and I just randomly I was like, "What's this Cheers thing about?" And uh, I think Diane—that's her name—like has a she like breaks up with Sam, and then she like tries to live in a monastery, or is it a monastery or a, a nunnery or a monastery or convent? convent. Okay. Yeah. Uh, she tries living in a convent and then she's like, she can't do any of like the work or whatever. She's like, I'm, I'm out <laughs> after like yeah. a week. If I had entered in like the sixties, uh-huh. I, I don't think I, oh, how I would come? have stayed work. It was a lot of work. I hear a lot of stories about <laughs> using toothbrushes to clean the red tiles in oh the hall God. to get ready for Easter or all variety of things. My sisters worked hard. Mm. Um, but this is my time. So did you have a, by the time you're, you're starting this, I mean, how does your, uh, and also the course of that nine years, I mean, I'm fascinated to know what happens, what your inner life was like Mm. over that nine. Yes. Are we talking now? We are currently as in today at the end of that nine years or is it? Yes. We are 10 years away from that because I entered in 2009. Okay. Now I'm I'm I was first curious about your relationship to like sacrifice that you were saying earlier. You're like I do not want to. Yes. Not yeah. This stuff up, yeah. But. It. I don't know. It didn't seem this. It didn't seem the same level of sacrifice. I felt like I had was satisfied with all the dancing I had done <laughs> and going out and. <laughs> um, I knew that it was going to be sacrifice to not get married. Mm. Um, And I had dated um, before I entered. So I recognized that and had conversations with people about it. And in those conversations, people talked about, sisters talked to me about living into the vows Mm. and bringing the questions like no one said to me, you need to have answers to start this. It was mm. it was always like bring 
your questions. We're living into the questions. Um, and that has continued to, to kind of be the journey mm. as well. Um, so a willingness to like work out the stuff that's, that's hard. But I remember, and I remember too, like earlier this year, you posted something, an awesome Instagram video about sacrifice that really struck me. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to, I remember, I'm trying to describe it, so maybe you can jog your memory. Oh, is it Do like the sacrifice of the vows? Yeah. Like the vows, poverty, chastity, and obedience. Yeah. That seem like they are giving up are actually sources of freedom. Yeah. It's um, kind of like, like the, the sneaky part the about sacrifice, right? <laughs> You're like, that? well, I guess the idea is like, if you have, if you understand a, understand or be value appreciate whatever um that the reward is greater then it doesn't even feel like a sacrifice anymore right is there something um, like that or does it still feel <laughs> I, like there's still a sacrifice and there is what is the not sacrifice the freedom part is a broadening of the understanding of myself mm. and of values and of life Mm. So it's not necessarily like an end product, yeah. but it's like in this, the sacrifice of poverty of not keeping my salary, for example, or um, not buying the bestest things. Yeah. The opening is I share these resources with this group of women and the ways that are like, economy works is so different from a capitalist mm. society yeah. like how we share it we are not living abject poverty that is not the vow and our sharing and our simplicity allows for there to be hopefully resources for others mm -hmm. as well that we don't just take for ourselves and there's an, an open-handedness that what we have we are are also willing to give away mm. and so that's a whole different orientation yeah of living with one's resources yeah and what is so that's has that changed i mean do you remember life in your orientation before like or yeah before you entered the convent like do you remember having like i don't know i, I guess like what's like a specific example maybe of something or like uh i guess you you're you already spoke to like clothing for instance right I mean, did you have to like, is it like, it's one of the things where you're just like examining your own attachments. So like, huh, that's an interesting attachment I had to that. Yeah. And it still continues <laughs> like want, needing to discern what's a need and what's a want mm. and why am I wanting that? Is, um, is it based in fear? Is it like, is there a, where's the place inside of me that's not trusting in God, which is frequently the <laughs> thing I come to. Mm. Um, and so maybe that like thing is indicative of something deeper that I need to be looking at within mm. myself. Mm. So there's yeah, a strong like contemplative element to this. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, which is also a strong element of Dominican charism mm. is the contemplative element. One of the mottos of the, um, is to contemplate and to give to others the fruits of your contemplation. Oh, cool. So we're always kind of contemplating things and looking deeper. That's great. Cause I usually just contemplate and 
just eat that fruit myself. <laughs> and oh, sometimes Joe, you have so many fruits to give. I don't know. Sometimes it feels like my contemplative roots are just like rotten fruits, or it's yeah. like, uh, or just like n- narcissism or like anxiety or something. <laughs> I mean, how do you how how would you differentiate contemplation from anxiety? Like, or what? Is, maybe I'm even misunderstanding what mm. a contemplative practice looks like to you. Mm. If, if, wow. if it's even a practice, or if it's just yes. a way of being, or I think it's way of being that's supported by practices. My practices have have um, developed. Sometimes I'm really into centering prayer. I'm always really into silence and finding silence. Mm. And I think the anxieties really become loud when I'm not giving myself enough silence. Um, and when I let them take hold and don't examine them or don't talk to them or don't talk about them with God. Mm. So the contemplative space I'm always aiming to be in is a letting go, a turning over, um, coming to a space of, of listening Mm And yeah, those tend to be the ways I yeah, <laughs> explain my contemplative stance. It's so fascinating. Um, and so you'll like, it'll, will it usually be a specific question you're sort of contemplating or will it, or like. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes it's a question. Sometimes it, yeah, it's, it's wanting to listen better does scripture take a part of this is it like let me consult let me pull out a random uh random bible generator you know online that's like oh that's interesting Um, i think part of our uh daily practices are praying the liturgy of the hours so doing praying morning prayer and evening prayer in my community Mm. so scripture is part of the daily routine so there are there are, yeah, scripture that's around. Like sometimes a psalm that we've prayed in morning prayer will stick out or like mm. the readings of the day. There's prayer podcasts I really like, Pray As You Go, that I'll uh-huh. listen to. And sometimes something in that, like a word or... Mm. Um, also, I'm very influenced by Ignatian spirituality coming from the Jesuits and imaginative spirituality um which also my mom instilled in us in reading us these guided meditations about going to our heart room when we were little Mm. so like imagining myself with god or with jesus in places is i think a part of my contemplation too so i might return to um, places that are significant have been significant to me in my journey with jesus um, like Mary's Kitchen is a place I often go to. Oh, how come? Um, what is also what is Mary's Kitchen? Um, I feel embarrassed like to ask. Mar- like it's a place I've imagined in reading the oh, scripture okay. texts yeah. uh-huh. of Mary. I was like, my mind went everywhere from it. Is this a restaurant I can go to? To is my oh mind. my god, did I totally block <laughs> out like a really obvious thing of scripture yeah you know that book <laughs> mary's kitchen it's, it's an a, apocryphal it's a apocryphal cookbook <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, yeah so it's a, a place i go to in my prayer mary mm. has been 
um, and what does that look like for you? Of like, yeah. it's this it's this place where like Mary welcomes me into her space, like where I prayed the Annunciation and um, then have had prayers of her. Like we're having tea and talking about <laughs> life and faith, and Jesus comes in and she kind of helps helps me get to Jesus. Mm. And um, then I've had these prayers with Jesus on the road mm. and like getting to be with him, the loaves and fishes, but getting to be with the people who came mm. t- um, to receive. And um, yeah. yeah. That was what, is this describing what is, could be characterized as like you're, you're in some kind of like, I don't know, angst existential crisis and then you're like you're literally it's kind of like asking yourself what would jesus do or what would mary do or what would what is being in their presence make how would that shift me and how would that like person influence me in the same way i guess i'm just Hmm. thinking of like um like often buddhist temples will have like pictures of either the dalai lama or other like or the buddha or like you're just kind of like reminding yourself of like being in the presence of enlightened beings and it's like and I, I have similar symbols and similar like things in my own uh, like spaces where it's like I might be when left to my own devices of my own mind and my own bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I can get. I need something that's like more symbolic and more like yeah, this sort of representation of a really either a really awakened person or a really loving person or loving idea or like, and so if I'm like, find myself being, I don't know, judgmental towards somebody or for instance, not that e- that ever happens. Uh, not that I ever am judgmental towards, <laughs> towards anybody, <laughs> but theoretically, either. if it happened, <laughs> theoretically, uh, <laughs> then like, I mean, looking at a, or like looking at a cross and thinking about, like I don't know my own, I don't know, my own call to needing to sacrifice certain things. Um, is it anything like that at all, or not really like that? <laughs> you weren't really looking like it was. <laughs> nah, it was like that at all. <laughs> yeah, I think if I go to those spaces, I'll tend to like journal it out okay. and like have a kind of journaled conversation okay. about it. I think these spaces are more about uh, tapping into that the desire to to love God to to be love and then letting myself be there and allowing God to reveal to me through, through my imagination, through me, like God working in, Mm. in me to like reveal what I, what I need to see. And so being open to how that transpires is the prayer. And what else now that we're a decade out from you entering, I mean, Mm -hmm. what, what else has changed um, mm-hmm. for you? That's a very broad question. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I'm talking a lot about right now with people is sexuality, mm. because I understood sexuality before as equal to sex, mm. and in living a celibate life and living it within a faith theological framework, I have come to see sexuality as the impulse to give life Mm. as the fire within me that desires to connect to be generative Mm. to give and receive 
um, life. And so how do I do that in, in all aspects of my life? And that actually all of my living is a living out of my sexuality. Mm. When I understand right. it in that theological yeah, yeah, like yeah. frame. And so it be, it's a much broader space of living and of like being in tune with that energy within mm. me and finding ways to channel it. So music becomes an important way for me mm. to channel my energy, um, connecting with friends and family, having intimate relationships mm. and all kinds of intimate relationships that are not genital relationships. <laughs> right. right. And so that, that's what then defines my celibacy is not that I am not sexual. Mm-hmm. I'm not genital in my relationships, mm. but I, I hope I am loving and giving and that I'm open to receiving someone and, and what they offer. And so I have to be very attuned and attentive to my energies around that. Um, and the ways in which I am expressing my sexuality, um, and that also doesn't take away attraction. Like I'm always going to be attracted mm-hmm. to people mm-hmm. in all variety of ways. It also broadens what attraction means and like mm. has meant to me. Like there's, I'm there's like intellectual attraction or creative attraction, right? Or like that personality of that person I just really like, like yeah. something really cool that <laughs> attracts me to that person that I can't explain. Yeah. And then there's also physical attraction sure. to people, and so. Of those things like that is not going to go away, nor should it go away. Mm-hmm. Um, my other young sister friends, who are a huge support in my life, we talk about like actually falling in love as something that is going to happen or has happened to us. Um, I don't want to say happened to us, but something we like an ex- like experiences we've had in religious life. And how it's something to learn from, how it mm. shapes us, how it tells us something about ourselves or expands our heart uh, in different ways. So not something necessary, not something to fear, mm. um, and, but to, to learn from and wow. yeah, allow. That's that fascinating. Either. And I've been, uh, that just makes me think of like, you're talking about these, these new, this, this kind of new way to conceive of sexuality in a way that totally makes sense to me. And it's something else that brought up for me was like, like that kind of generative creative force it's also inherently like sexuality is inherently at its best collaborative um Mm. and um a conversational in a certain way um and it seems like a lot of deformities of it and like abuses of it come when it's not that way right yes um and yeah yeah so it's there's something very fascinating about that sexuality calling us into community um, in a certain way, even if that community is just <laughs> like just two people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Uh, but yeah. Has it, has it been something where, I mean, in this journey in your own like conception of sexuality and um, genitalia attraction and things like that, has it been like, something you have had you've either felt shame about like oh i shouldn't be feeling like not maybe not now but like when you were younger when you were first getting into it like oh why am i still feeling Mm. this or like why is this i think i had a lot of 
like yeah kind of like angsty frustration Hmm. um about how and like how to deal with the feelings and this sounds like a beautiful way to like love it and understand there's something deeper than just the surface level sort of expression or you know or the 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 purely physical genitalia like manifestation of that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah which i also believe it does not take away from the importance of genital expression mm-hmm. and I like I don't think m- my celibacy says oh therefore no genital expression for anyone yeah like yeah. not at all what I hope my celibacy says is that one can come to understand themselves in all these other ways than mm. their genital expression. Mm. And that one's genital expression is an important part of this whole of sexuality mm. too. And that's, it's interesting because I'm sure there are occasionally people that maybe you sense like, <laughs> it's like it, maybe you can sense some insecurity when you mention your celibate or it's like, maybe you can sense maybe some level of like uncomfortability with their own attachment to it only. And I, my only analogous thing to this that makes me make that assumption, tell me if I'm wrong, but, um, is like, you know, I haven't drank for almost two years, drank alcohol for almost two years and telling it is not me saying nobody should drink alcohol. And I've never said that, but sometimes you just say like, Oh, I, sorry, I don't drink. And you can feel people going like, uncomfortable by it or they, yeah, they feel self-conscious yeah. about, about uh-huh. it and, you're, and it's funny because you're literally just saying something about you and the way you're like living your life yeah I just, oh i just don't drink and like trying to not put any and maybe you know i don't think i put any judgment behind it because i don't feel any judgment towards anybody else who does it but it's, it's interesting yeah. what that can bring up for yeah. people yeah mm-hmm. yes the way that then they think they need to change their language or oh this is a becomes the topic off limits or we can't. and maybe and i'm not now this feels like maybe a bridge potentially too far uh but it's like maybe that i i maybe i i don't know it feels like that could be an an invitation <laughs> to re if you have that kind of reaction to re-examine your own relationship with whatever that thing is because i also feel like plenty of people do, haven't felt threatened by me saying like oh yeah i don't drink and they're like oh cool i get it i respect it so anyway i, I just think it's like when I notice that my own reactions of like that, it's helpful if I think like, huh, what's going on? Why did I have an outsized reaction? Yeah. Um, Is there something that I need to be working on in myself? Yeah. Yeah. That's still Um, unsettled about it. Yeah, definitely. Anything else of that's like, that feels really present for you now or just present for me now. Um, I think obedience also that vow is rooted in listening which is where the Latin word is about listening um, for obedience. And I really experienced that with my sisters in applying here to Harvard Divinity um, and in coming that I, I listened to myself and God and what I am hoping for um, in my, in my vocation, in my ministry and like coming to saying, I think this is the best place where that's going to happen yeah. and offering that discernment to my sisters and all the other choices too that I was exploring and then listening to them and their response and their listening to me 
and my discernment and listening to God through me. And then they're listening to like God and the spirit moving in all of that. And they mm. came to, wow. this, to this place of saying, we really feel the spirit moving in this wow. and in you. And we b- agree that this is the best, wow. the best choice in the place that we want you to be. Wow. That's awesome. Um, makes me jealous i don't have like a discernment council (laughs) (laughs) that so uh, yes it is a blessing and sometimes can be a challenge of religious life and particularly being like a younger person in religious life or Uh like information there's always a lot of people you have to talk to and tell things to but it also then yeah again is a blessing like there probably there have been uh, at least 10 sisters maybe that have like been really amazing in discerning Mm. with me listening to me asking me questions walking with me in that um which yeah is one of the gifts of community religious life what were some of those things that like why why here why a place where there's a lot of other places i think you could have gone right yeah there are a lot of places i could have gone catholic places um, yeah, this places. is such a great place to be a Catholic. <laughs> Julie and I were just saying, great place to be a Catholic. Catholics come to HDS. <laughs> this is, HDS did not put me up to this, or this <laughs> yeah. is not an advertisement for HDS. Although, I, yeah, um, it. I wanted. Ex- I wanted to understand more about the world and ways people live Mm. religion and traditions and questions about religion and questions about faith whether they believe in God or not in the world, like what does that look like and how do people talk about that and how can my experience of that help me to be a better minister within my tradition to young people who are asking questions about themselves and are living in a world where they're encountering people of all different traditions. How do they think through that as Catholics? Yeah. And I, I need more knowledge and experience in order to be able to do that as minister for myself too. Um, so mm. this seemed like the that's, best place to be able to do that. That's awesome. Fortunately, I had in my nine years, I also had really good uh, classes in theology and scripture, mm-hmm. Catholic systematics and mm-hmm. spirituality. So I have a, a grounding in Catholic theology that also allows me to say here here are things I know here are things I still don't know within Catholic systematics mm. and like here are all these places I want to explore yeah and that's fascinating like, be open to and yeah. well like in this idea of like sexuality being generative and collaborative and, and whatnot it's like and then the idea of that like every you know, some, I think I've heard it expressed before. There's no such thing as an original idea. Only like every idea is based, new idea is basically just a new combination of existing ideas or like idea sex. I've actually mm. <laughs> heard it phrased that way before. Mm. Um, and so in that vein of sexuality, what a cr- cool place to have some interesting new combinations of ideas, right? Of like versus, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's also, I. it's odd. Be, I'm saying that in a certain sense because as I lean harder back into my own Christianity and returning more intentionally back into my Christianity than I spent most of my twenties on. I'm finding the the value of going deeper in a tradition and going and getting that depth versus totally breadth. There's a balance to be struck though, because yeah. what I hear you saying is like, you've had a lot of, a lot of depth 
um, mm-hmm. and Catholicism, and you're going to keep going deeper. There's still places to go deeper, mm-hmm. but it's just interesting getting just getting a whole other set of perspectives of people that have that do not have <laughs> that background at all. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm loving it. Um, is there anything? Um, is there anything you'd like? We're about it. Yeah, we're about it. Yeah, we're good. We're good. How do you feel? You feel good? Yeah, I feel good. Is there anything you want to plug or uh, uh, want to plug? <laughs> could be a um, either for the HDS uh, community the HDS or, or broader. Come, if you're a Catholic, come to HDS. Um, I th- yeah, I think there are there still remain a lot of stereotypes about sisters mm-hmm. and and Catholicism. And, um, I think when some, what I'm learning at HDS too, is any time we come to a, a place in our minds of essentialism or universalism, like we oh, got to break yeah. that, break that down, gotta break that right on yeah, down. However yeah. it comes. And so, yeah, so definitely true. apply to Catholic sisters and, um, yeah, there's a lot happening. It's a very like vibrant, vibrant place right now. A lot of questions mm-hmm. right now in, um, religious life and u.s religious life religious life around the world but a really beautiful like a really beautiful way to live right on very grateful well thank you for coming on i thank you when you were talking about when you're talking about service earlier i was just thinking like you definitely i feel you show up for service in me uh just in your way of being and like let me just talk my talk your ear off sometimes thank you i'm trying not to talk your ear off as much but uh no it's a it's a joy for me. Oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate it. And I really love hearing more of your story, too. Thank you. So, thank you thank for you your Mary. time. And that's the show. Once again, thank you to Sister Mary. Thank you for listening. Go to chooseyourownreligion.com for old episodes. Subscribe on Facebook, iTunes, wherever. Leave a rating or a review if you like it. And uh, take care of yourself out there and in there. I love you. Jamaste. Hello. 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 Check out our new podcast, Barely Barely Composed, Composed, with us, Feminity Trio. Each week, we write a brand new comedic song with one of our funny friends. Listen and subscribe to Barely Composed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Campfire.